Hi everyone, you're listening to Laminex Learning Bites. My name is Ace Kagler and I'm the show's host. Laminex Learning Bites returns back after a break with a brand new season, the Future Series. We'll be right here to talk about the future with one of our awesome guests. So make sure you tune in every month from wherever you get your podcast fix. Hello, Laminex Learning Bites listeners. Our guest today is one of the most inspirational, energetic and fun professionals we've had on the show, Lisa Leong. Now, Lisa's famous with her radio work, but did you know she used to be an intellectual property technology and wine lawyer? Nowadays, Lisa presents Sundays with Lisa Leong on ABC Radio Melbourne and hosts This Working Life on ABC Radio National. She has co-authored with Monique Ross the book, This Working Life, How to Navigate Your Career in Uncertain Times. And in case you haven't seen before, I highly recommend you watch Lisa's TEDx Melbourne talk, Can Robots Make Us More Human? In fact, we'll include them in the show notes here, so you definitely get the chance to watch it. Hello, Lisa. How are you? Hi, Ace. Lovely to be here. I am well, thank you. We are so glad that you are joining Laminex Learning Bites today um, with me to talk about ways of working and um, a really exciting topic that I know you're really passionate about because uh, you wrote a book on it. Yes, This Working Life, the book. Um, which is a really a, a spin out and building on this working life, uh, our radio national show. That's amazing. Um, so to kick it off with, I just wanted to uh, ask you, Lisa. So, um, what has been the highlights in your career? Because what I want to understand is um, how did you get to, um, like, what led you um, throughout your life and career journey to think about this topic, ways of working? Um, so what was, you know, the highlight in your career or the, the um, maybe there was a dip in your career that made you think about, um, uh, you know, or actually, you know, I need to write a book on ways of working? There are certain moments of truth in your career life where particularly when you look back, you can say that was quite an important turning point for me. One of those turning points was as a sixth-year lawyer. So I studied science law and then became a technology lawyer. It took me to London. And there was a moment where I kind of stopped enjoying what I was doing. I was working really long hours as well. And I was in an airless, windowless office doing some legal paperwork when I realised that I was waiting for someone to tap me on the shoulder and say, you're not meant to be a lawyer, Lisa Leong. You're meant to be doing something else. There was no tap on the shoulder. Then I realised sometimes you've got to tap yourself on the shoulder. Absolutely. So what does that mean though? And I didn't know. So I did a couple of things, which is just to what I now know is optimise for interesting. So just understanding, oh, what what interests me? And I got into volunteering for hospital radio. One of my friends suggested hospitals are so big in London, they have full-blown radio stations for them. I started volunteering, discovered that I love interviewing people. And so just that little discretionary part. So probably 15% of my discretion, I just shifted away to try something else. 
um, that gave me a flavour for, oh, maybe I could become a full-time radio presenter. So I think, you know, that moment of choosing every day. So inertia can sometimes, you know, mean that, you know, the day after day grind, you know, you rinse and repeat and you don't think about, well, what's going to happen next in my life. So that that was an important moment. Uh, and then the second part of that was how I managed to change from lawyer to radio presenter. I tried to send out a demo of my hospital radio show and I got a lot of rejection letters. As you do, I think, when you're putting yourself in different, you know, putting it out there. And I did think that it was a sign that I wasn't meant to be pursuing a radio career at first. And then I realised, actually, the people making decisions about radio presenters are really busy. (laughs) They might not have listened to my demo. And that's when I jumped on a train to Liberty Radio Station, the largest AM station in the whole of London. And I basically cold called the... um, guy who was making the decisions who happened to be doing the breakfast show. So I stood outside in the sleet and I thought, what's the worst that can happen? You know, he could call the police, but how likely is that? (laughs) And what if it works, Ace? And so that's when I willed myself to, you know, press that doorbell. (laughs) He answered. I said, hi, it's Lisa Leong. I'm a radio DJ can I make you a cup of coffee this morning? And then (laughs) he actually let me in. So it was from there that he got so sick of me because I did it every weekend until he gave me my own radio show uh, on Sundays. (laughs) And it was really, and actually I got my, um, my partner in crime, Zoe Mack, to do it with me. And I always found, you know, doing something with others was more joyful, but I basically went on from there to become uh, a radio presenter. But it was just that little micro act of bravery um, plus curiosity and that idea of, as Dory Clark puts it, optimising for interesting. I think between them that that was such a big moment for me. Wow, you're so brave to to um, just put yourself out there like that. Um, this is so interesting. Thank you so much for sharing your story. <laughs> um, and then, so I mean, because you've got such an interesting career journey, um, it's really interesting to read in your book as well. Um, what was the wake up call that made you, um, you know, make the big change? throughout your career journey? I think it was, you know, every, it's like you're a detective of your own career (laughs) and every move you make, if you pay attention, maybe it's down the track and you look back like a detective and you're picking up clues, Mm -hmm. you can start to paint a picture of when things work for you, whether it be a project or a career move. And then you can start with some intentionality to actually navigate things so you make a few less errors of judgment about (laughs) what works for you and you can start being um, a little bit, I don't know, you can actually just make 
decisions that align better to you being in flow, say. And so there's a few concepts here um, that I want to share. One is the reflection part. So how do you become a detective? And one of the chapters of um, This Working Life, the book, is dedicated to an exercise I call now the life flow exercise, Mm -hmm. which shall I take you through it? Yeah, let's go. Okay. Um, I came up with this in the year 2001 when I was sitting in the airless, windowless office as a lawyer. I called it the happiness graph. And at the time I thought, wow, this is a great innovation. But like all good creative things, this is absolutely, I didn't come up with it. In fact, it exists <laughs> everywhere as when we started getting, you know, with the internet, when I started Googling it, I'm like, oh, actually, this was definitely innovated a long time before me. Anyway, so I don't call it the uh, happiness graph anymore. I call it the life flow exercise. And it works like this. You take a big sheet of paper, um, A4 or even A3. I've got one right here. And then, Okay. I want you to draw a vertical line and a horizontal line like you would in a graph. Uh-huh. Like that. Um, and then the vertical line we're going to label our either our subjective happiness or you could put sort of like your flow state, so happiness, subjective. And then down the bottom on the horizontal line, we're going to mark it time. So can you show me what you've done? I'll tell you if you've done it correctly. So vertical line, (laughs) I'll mark you, just joking. (laughs) Yes, that's correct. Okay. So as far back as you can remember, up until the current day, um, that's the time. And then I actually, you just look at your life like a sort of flow diagram with peaks and troughs. And for every moment that you feel like is a peak in your life, you're just going to do a little peak and then you do the trough and then you're going to mark those times on the horizontal line. So for example, if I think about the year 2001 for me, when I was sitting in that airless windowless office, that I marked as a trough. And then I mark the year. So I go 2001, um, what was happening? Uh, I was just put on a very large transaction and I was doing the kind of boring parts about the large transaction. And then for every peak, I want you to start jotting down what made it so. Why was this a peak? Who were you with? What were you doing? Et cetera. And then for every trough. Who were you with? What were you doing? And then after you've finished that, so that takes about half an hour. So I'll beam us into the future, of course, um, after we've done. But after half an hour, you will have a graph with peaks and troughs and you'll have listed for each peak and trough those little um, things that make it so. And then you can take a step back and actually look at any themes So you might say, hmm, when I had a trough, so here's an example for mine, whenever I had a trough, I was by myself and not collaborating really with others, Ace. So even though I actually did redesign and become a radio DJ and there was one moment (laughs) when I got the job of my dreams, commercial radio in the capital city, 
And I used to come out of my six-hour shifts or on-air kind of talking and I used to cry and I thought, what? (laughs) I'm in my dream job. What happened? And I thought, oh, no, I'm in an airless, windowless office speaking to myself Uh (laughs) because, you know, I was doing the weekend breakfast show and nobody else was there and, you know, I was kind of mainly playing music and so I actually was by myself. And so then I realised it's not about the industry. It's actually about the fact that I derive energy from collaborating with others. And even as a freelancer now, I make sure that I'm collaborating with beautiful people, uh, interesting folks. Do you think that's the and same that for everyone? Like does would everyone um, feel the same way? Well, this is why um, we call it a squad of explorers, Ace, because um, each of us have our own experience and if we can pull um, what we're learning, then we can learn from each other's. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would have a hypothesis, Ace, that there are some people um, who would really enjoy the alone yeah, space. Yeah, I would think so. Um, and, in fact, I know a lot of lawyers who would probably prefer to really nut something out, like a, it's like a piece of a puzzle, mm-hmm. reviewing contracts and being by themselves than having to interact with you know, others. And so, you know, those, the, that's why I sort of think that part of the job wasn't for me, mm-hmm. the, you know, the drafting of contracts, but absolutely uh, it is for other people. Uh-huh. And so that's what you learn. It's, it's mainly about what's the fit. So that's the life flow. And actually, did you have a copy of my one just to, yeah, or one I prepared earlier because maybe we can beam it up here on our recording just for people to see um, the view of that. Okay. Here we go. Thank you. So if we just beam out just a slight bit, yeah, just a few goes. So uh, yeah, so all I just wanted to show was you can see how it's just obviously the trough and then the peaks and then the little troughs. And then we've just put a a few bullet points of what made each thing so. And then you'll see all of the peaks are really just sense of belonging. Sense of belonging makes something a peak and then being alone. Poor me, whenever there's a trough. Thank you, Ace. That's okay. Okay, so that's the life flow exercise. Um, I did want to talk about job crafting though, Ace, which was the second part. Yeah, and, and that leads to our um, next bit around, you know, how could we continue or how could we find happiness um, within our jobs? Yeah, so there's, I mean, there's a few things here. Most of the experts would say you wouldn't actually make a huge career leap Mm -hmm. and, you know, it's dangerous to think of yourself leaping into the abyss. Um, So this idea, you know, that I keep on repeating about the optimised for interesting is this sense of tweaking things until maybe yes, you know, a new career emerges, but don't see it as a wee, you know, jumping off into the abyss. 
And so one of the great ways to discover more and be more playful about your own career and more curious about your own career is the concept of job crafting. This is very established. Um, There are three main components of job crafting. There's task crafting, relationship crafting, and cognitive crafting. Task crafting, what are the main things that you are going to do in your day? You do, you know, the compassionate challenge is that you have more agency in your current role than you think you do, Mm -hmm. that you can choose to prioritise certain tasks over others And how do you choose that? Well, it's about playing to your strengths. What are the things that only you can do? What are the things that you think maybe somebody else is better placed to do? And possibly what are the things that you don't need to be doing at all that you could drop? So that's task crafting. But can I just say, Lisa, that would obviously depend on how much autonomy you have um, within your roles. Um, but then again, it doesn't hurt to ask. So I guess there would be people out there to say, well, you know, I don't have the autonomy to actually, you know, make these decisions. But it, then again, it's about, you know, having that conversation. Have you asked the question? Yeah. Absolutely. Um, have Because also when you think about your manager, they want you to perform at your best. Uh, and when you are in flow or doing the things that you're seriously good at, then I think it's good for everyone. And also it's a case of give, can we give this a go? Yeah. And if it works, then, you know, that's a good thing. I do think that, you know, there is a trust component and obviously you need to know your manager well. Let me, so you're skipping me a little bit to the cognitive crafting because I think this informs your question as well. So, okay, so we've done task. Uh, look, look, can I can I loop back to your question because yeah. I'll just go through this methodically. Relationship crafting is who are the people that you want to work with, collaborate with, um, and thinking about that as well. And so it might be people outside your team that you think, you know, you're a brilliant person. I'd like to join forces with you to try something. Um, So that's relationship crafting. And then cognitive crafting is your attitude and mindset towards the job. Now, the reason why this informs the task question that you had is that there was some research done on hospital cleaners and there were happier hospital cleaners and sadder hospital cleaners. This is really making it sound very basic. Um, This is a summary. Mm -hmm. The sadder hospital cleaners thought of their jobs as emptying waste paper baskets, cleaning the surfaces. The happier hospital cleaners thought of their jobs as contributing to the health and well-being and improvement of the patients in this hospital and making their lives, you know, uh, more beautiful. Yeah, wow. And so this informs that first question about task Mm -hmm. because there's always that discretionary effort. So if I'm a hospital cleaner who really wants the health and well-being of my patients and to improve that and contribute that way, then I might just do that little bit something. I might bring in some flowers. I might say something that makes them smile. 
I might sort of go over and above. So that's task crafting because maybe I'm better at doing certain things than others. And by playing to my strengths, maybe I'm a singer (laughs) and I might even sing a song as a hospital cleaner. So you see how that, you know, how, so, you know, yes, maybe in my KPIs (laughs) I've got empty the waste paper basket. But, you know, I think playing around with that and saying, okay, so what are the other things that I, you know, where do I have discretion? Do I have discretion? And it's really just a compassionate challenge here because you may find, do you know what? I'm not supported to, you know, do the extra things that I want. And that's when, you know, there there absolutely toxic environments exist. Absolutely. Sometimes you get the worst boss and they're a corporate psychopath. Um, then, you know, obviously the imprimatur then is, you know, is it possible to leave that job? So if it's one of those jobs, you know, then <laughs> leave. <laughs> uh, but have you tested it? I guess that's the provocation, mm-hmm. you know. Have you had that beautiful conversation with the manager um, to say, you know, I've got an idea, I'd like to do this or doing it under the radar? So once again, Dory Clark um who's a coach, would say, you know, take that 15% discretionary effort and play around with that. And that's what I did to move from law to radio is that I had the 15% I was emceeing Christmas parties and client functions, mm-hmm. just took that out and I thought I'm going to contribute that to the contribute that to the wider community and let's just see what happens. And that's when I thought, oh, wow, I'm loving this. This is take, you know, <laughs> so much energy around it. That's amazing. And your um, hospital cleaners example made me think about that tram driver. I don't know his name in Melbourne. Um, yes. Yeah, it's a lovely guy that gives you, like he's like a tour guide. He would talk to you um, and everyone loves him. Whenever you jump on that tram on, I think, along Elizabeth Street, I can't remember, Um He's such a lovely guy that, you know, obviously loves his job and he loves going above and beyond making people feel welcome in Melbourne. Yeah. <laughs> Spot on. Yeah, that's a great example. And it's, you know, it's not to say, oh, therefore all tram drivers need to engage with it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, he's absolutely playing to his superpower. And isn't that amazing and how that contributed, contributes to our well-being, but also his you know, having a happier time connecting with everyone in his tram. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, exactly. Me too. <laughs> awesome. So um, to sum it up, you said, um, so when we talked about crafting, you said relationship crafting, task crafting and cognitive crafting, all these things, if we can, um, you know, find a little bit of um Uh, crafting into these things we can be happy in our jobs so in our current jobs or if you feel like these things don't work for you you've you've given it a big shot and um, you're still finding that you're unhappy then you make the decision to move on yeah and I I think this idea of so I've got a saying that every day is lab day yeah this idea of experimenting and so if you can take take that curiosity to your whole life um, and, you know, because our jobs are actually always changing yeah. and we need to keep on learning. I mean, that's um, something we found in our podcast, This Working Life, 
was that you can't stop learning mm-hmm. in your roles because then suddenly your skills become obsolete far more quickly than they used to be. So with that mindset of always learning, um, I think you do want to play around with your work life, your career, your job, so that you are always tweaking, making sure that you are playing to your strengths. Because once you do that, you will do well. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. It's like you're picking up the podcast. You know, it's something that you're interested in. Uh, You get to meet interesting people and it's something that you can build into your job. I think that's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. No, I love it. It's the favourite part of my job. Um, And like you, what I think is, um, you know, sometimes it's not the industry or the the company that you're working at. Um, It's the job itself and what you can create and craft for yourself um, that makes you feel happy. Um, yeah, I think you are in power in ways that you don't, you might not be aware of. So you might have the autonomy to actually make these little changes. And it starts with changing your mindset, just like you said, around the cognitive crafting, um, you know, the way you start to think about your job, how am I, you know, what's my purpose? Can I think about, you know, am I helping people in other ways? And, and that would, you know, make me feel satisfied, Um, You know, I'm just thinking about the really admin type jobs people have or, you know, people working in in plants and um, I guess it's up to you, you know, um, you can live a miserable life or you can choose to find a purpose and, um, yeah, craft the job, you know, craft the work that you're doing that suits you in a way that makes you happy. And it's those social connections that you have at work. Yeah, absolutely. I've been to, you know, as as a lawyer, I mean, we we visited so many um, places, factories, plants, and you could tell straight away from walking in the energy of a place. And those happier workplaces definitely had a certain energy which was very connecting and that sense of, you know, nearly or family that you get, you know, when you are working in a workplace that is working well, shall we say. So, you know, there's so many moving pieces in what makes a a good career. Uh, and you can't really tell by reading the label on the tin. No. You kind of got to be in it and experience it. Um, and then, yeah, ask yourself, you know, do I feel like a, that sense of belonging? I mean, I think it's so important for people. Um I've got a question for you, Ace, about um, when you did the life flow exercise, yeah. where there was anything that emerged for you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, that was a really good refreshing, reflection um, exercise because um, I never, I don't think I looked at my, you know, well, it's my life and my career. Obviously, the two things are not separated when I were plotting, when I was plotting things on the graph. Um, it, it helped me paint a picture of, okay, these were my peaks and troughs. And I looked at the points where I was, um, I had the troughs. And that was, like you said, when I felt like I was disconnected, just like you, um, when I felt lonely or, you know, um, there was a major life event. And um, at times when I felt like I didn't fit in, um, to a team or the job or with the people that I was working with um, or didn't like the job itself um, because I couldn't connect with it. Um, and I was thinking, oh, it was a time at a, you know, um, 
I had some major life changes throughout my childhood. We moved overseas to Turkey and then I also came back. So those times of changes, I think, were um, uh, my troughs as well. But my peaks are when, so I would say one of the peaks for me is definitely moving to Laminex. Um, and that's a big one. It's a highlight in my job. And when I look back and I see why it's, what's, why is that different? It's where probably I feel like I most belong. Um, and I have a lot more connections and that's also, I think it comes with maturity. I think that's something, you know, you can't discount throughout, you know, well, um, I've, I haven't had a very long career, obviously, but I feel like I have become smarter with the choices I've made. Um, if I knew any better in the previous um, maybe jobs that I had and I, I I maybe would have known that I would be unhappy there, um, now that I have this experience, maybe I have made a better choice and I, I can um, now work on my connections and building relationships with people. So maybe it's a bit of that, a bit of maturity, a bit of, you know, the life experiences I've had. Um, so that was so interesting. Yeah, thank you for the exercise. I definitely recommend anyone, if you can get a hold of this working life, have a look at the Life Flow chapter. And this exercise is just is just great. It makes you um, really have a look back all the way to your childhood and think about all the times um, that you went through and what was it that made that time a, a peak and a trough. And now that you've done that exercise, Ace, you can now also look at trying to identify, if you haven't already, your superpowers. Oh, yeah. So these are mm. strengths, but they're so unique to you. You do it in your own way, it becomes a superpower. And so it's easier to do that using this sort of life flow because then you can really see, ah, this is a theme that's coming back it could have even been uncovered or unearthed in childhood. Uh-huh. So, you know, those moments when nobody's watching, you know, you're probably eight or 10 years old and you're doing your thing and you're just completely in it, you know, completely in flow. Sometimes you get little hints and then you forget about that as you, or, you know, you go through school and then you go through the, you know, the work. Can you give an example? Um, so for me, I'll look back, I looked back at my, um, even my first job and I was a liquor assistant at a supermarket and I looked really young. So whenever I used to ask people for their ID, they would actually go, well, let me see your ID. <laughs> uh, Cause I looked so young and I was really weak. I couldn't lift any beer beer bottles or do anything useful. So I was pretty hopeless. However, nobody else wanted to get onto the loudspeaker to do the daily specials or the announce the red spot specials. So I used to get on the loudspeaker. Slabs <laughs> walking out the door for $20.99. And oh. I loved it because people used to sort of laugh as I used to say these things across the whole supermarket. I love the connection. I love, as a small person, having your, a very, you know, having your voice beamed across the supermarket is pretty good fun. <laughs> uh, you know, and I'd never thought about that. 
the fact that, see, that was a little bit of job crafting yeah. there because mm-hmm. nobody else wanted to do the loudspeaker and I was like, oh, I'll do it. So <laughs> um, there you go, a little bit of job crafting. Well, what's my superpower? Well, I lo- obviously I love the sound of my own voice. <laughs> Yeah, I have no shame. I do love uh, make people laugh, <laughs> engaging with people. You know, no shame, basically. Um, and so, I love it. I love it. Right. So that's an example of you know looking back, and that's my superpower okay. is you know engaging and entertaining. I've got to think about that one. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Superpowers. So that's something else. Amazing. Oh, well, um, Lisa, because um, we are going to come to the end of the podcast pretty soon, um, let's talk about your podcast, uh, This Working Life, and the book. So what would you recommend um, uh, people, who, you know, who are interested in this topic, um, why would they come to your podcast and, and grab a hold of the book? Uh, we started the show, so the show This Working Life um, was happening sort of four years ago. So we always wanted to ask, why do we work the way we work? Mm-hmm. How do we work? And it's kind of light and deep um, as a show. Uh, and people liked hearing about why we work. But even, you know, we did this great event and we were like, remote working, you know, what do you think? And, you know, some of the CEOs were like, no. That's not going to work. And then COVID happened. (laughs) And even though we were still asking the same questions, why do we work the way we work? Suddenly the question became really profound because it's like, yeah, why? Why? And so I would say that um, the joy has been to try and navigate through this time when we can rewrite some of these rules and at least question them and poke them. Uh, Wow, how amazing. We don't have the answers, so let's just ask really good questions. And so our show, you know, like we're picking up a really beautiful squad of explorers who really are curious and are creative and smart and compassionate and who want to ask these questions like you ask, hey, how can we make this work suck less (laughs) how do we actually make it enjoyable joyful um and loving so you know and that's you know the thing about COVID just showing us the humanity and bringing that humanity into business so um I love doing the show I do think it's an honor and a privilege to talk to the people we talk with uh and to explore these ideas and to have this squad of explorers with our listeners so that's the sh- the show, and then um, Arwen Summers from Hardy Grant contacted me on LinkedIn uh, just a couple of years ago to say, "Oh, you know, we love your show. Do you think there's a book in this?" <laughs> and actually, I just had received so many emails through COVID, just more in a personal level, like, "How do I navigate my career in this moment?" Because I've been doing it for thirty years, I've been doing it for twenty years or ten years. I'm not sure anymore. And I couldn't quite answer all the questions because, and definitely in our show, it's kind of quite broad. So you can't really, we don't really talk about um, your own career mm-hmm. is the way I would say. And so the book was a deep dive into actually how do you navigate your career? It's about you. Uh-huh. And so once again, 
I wanted to collaborate with wonderful people. So I reached out to Monique Ross, um, who had just resigned from the ABC, from Radio National as the digital editor, to become a forest bathing nature guide. <laughs> and so she's a wonderful writer, um, super fun to collaborate with her. So it's kind of got a blended voice. Um, it's a, it's actually not a business book at all. It's like a secret, um, more philosophical, kind of very deep, it's a bit of a part memoir and part curiosity. Um, so yeah, it should be, you know, it's a, should be a interactive read is the way I would put it. Absolutely. Oh, and we've got a soundtrack. Oh yeah. Did you know that, Ace? Yeah. I remember you saying it, your podcast as well. Tell us about the soundtrack. How does it work? Yeah, so amazing singer-songwriter, Little Green. I love her. She's like early 20s. Um, we commissioned her through Hardy Grant to create a soundtrack for the book. So my husband, Darcy, he's a film director. He talks about soundtracks. And I, was, and I thought, well, why don't books have a soundtrack? <laughs> Let's make a soundtrack. And so you know how music primes you emotionally? Yeah. So the idea is we worked with Little Green to take certain parts of the book and to really to bring it to life with a song. So it's got words, um, beautiful music, and so there's QR codes in the book. And so you get to a certain part, you click on the QR code, and it's in Spotify under This Working Life. She's written some amazing tunes. We got it properly produced. It's distributed under her label, and it is a full-blown LP called This Working Life for our book. Oh, that's amazing. A book with an audio track. Now, I haven't heard of that yeah. before. <laughs> yeah, so we're delighted and um, there's a music video. We've released a single from the LP. Um, yeah. Oh, awesome. So exciting. Um, Lisa, look, I was super nervous about having you on the show because you are such a creative person. You know, you're someone that's out there. Everyone knows you. Um, but it was such a cool experience and I will never forget this moment. Um, thank you for being so flexible and um, just being yourself and making me feel like, you know, um, you are just another person <laughs> at the end of the day. Um, really appreciate you coming on to the show. Um, it was a pleasure to have you on. Thanks, Ace.